Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah uh, chapter 7, and we'll begin reading at uh, verse 1. That's on page 571 of your pew Bibles, and as you're turning there, as well, the new, I think we've had one since then. We have devotionals in the back, and encourage you to take one and pass them around, share them with others as well. Uh, But hear the word of God, Isaiah chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. For the next few Sundays, uh, we'll be focusing on that theme, God with us, Uh, Emmanuel. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. This is the word of God. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Shabub, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, at the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Remaliah, because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin, and within 65 years Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, 
We give you all praise and honor and glory and thanks that you indeed are a God who is with us. Lord, we thank you for that sure, saving sign of your unfailing love for us in Christ. Thank you as well for sealing us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray uh, that as we study your word together, uh, pray that your spirit would be stirring in our hearts, Lord, giving us an ever-deepening love for Christ. And Lord, we pray as well that you would be um, instilling with us uh, a burning desire, Father, uh, to share that good news of the gospel. Uh, with those who are lost in their sins, in desperate need of a Savior. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In today's world, from what I read, many expectant couples choose to take part in a what's called a reveal party. Uh, so that all the gathered ones can experience uh, that joyful surprise when the baby's gender is revealed. It said party hosts use all sorts of creative methods uh, to announce the good news as to announce the good news as to whether the baby on the way will be a boy or a girl. Simple reveal parties, you have uh, pink or blue balloons being released from a big box, or you can uh, cut a plain cake, and on the inside it's either pink or blue. It's said that one party planner arranged for 1,500 colored balls to be dropped from an airplane. Um to reveal the baby's gender. Here in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we don't have a reveal party, but God graciously declares to us his promised gift of a son and our Savior. I invite you to turn in your Bibles and stay with me. There, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 page 571 in your pew Bibles. You know, here Isaiah the prophet speaks God's gospel prophecy of Christ's birth uh, that will not take place, as I told the, uh, the young men, for another 700 years. It's a salvation prophecy about the incarnation of God's own son, who will be called Emmanuel. God with us. Uh, We see it's also a scriptural prophecy that strengthens the faith uh, of God's people in fearful times, then as now. And so it's a a, a gospel prophecy uh, that surely is relevant to us today in our walk of faith. And here as we study Isaiah 7 and especially verse 14, uh, let us learn that as we face fearful problems, the Lord graciously promises his gospel presence. 
You know, what should Christians know about the Lord's promised presence? We'll see that it starts with with a problem or problems, and then there's a sin of pride, and then finally the prophecy in verse 14. Uh, We begin with the fearful problems in Judah. There's a, a crisis of faith here. We begin with Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1. If you know Isaiah at all, you remember Isaiah 6, that that glorious vision of God, a God who is holy, holy, holy. And now in Isaiah 7, there's a, a radical turn here spiritually. Israel is struggling. They're They're fearful. You know, King Ahaz is the one now sitting on the throne of Judah, but there's a a major problem confronting this leader of God's people. Two kings, Rezin, who is king of Syria, and then Pekah, the son of Remaliah, who is the king of Israel, so brothers and sisters in the faith, now are are locked and loaded. They're they're prepared to wage war uh, against Israel. Judah. And it's a a real problem. It's a fearful problem. You know, it's great fear. I I love that expression. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 2. You know, when the house of David, that's Judah, was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, and the heart of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. We can almost say a hurricane wind or tornado wind. You know, it's not that they're a little flustered. You know, they're, they're, they're shaking in their boots. You know, what's going to happen to us? You know, three things to note about Judah's fearful problems. First, it's a problem <coughs> of politics. It's a real military crisis. Ahaz is king of Judah. <coughs> But the kings of Syria and Israel, as I've said, are striving to conquer the house of David. And what's their first response? You know, it's not a faith running to the Lord in prayer. You know, it's fear, great fear. And that fear is a real problem. As you follow it along there in verses 3 through 6, we see the Lord using Isaiah the prophet now to address uh, these fears of his people there in Judah. Isaiah is to go out and to meet with Ahaz. And Isaiah is to take along with him his son, uh, Shear Yashub, not a common name. Uh, but if you look at your, your footnotes, bottom notes there, it, it helps us here. You know, his name, his name means a remnant shall return. You know, so even here, as Isaiah is taking out his, a son, keep that in mind here. It's, it's God's gracious promise to his people that there will be a remnant. And then the Lord directs Isaiah to tell Ahaz, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint. And why is that? Your, your foes, as we read there in verse 4, are, are just smoldering stumps. They're not a blazing bonfire. 
You know, there, there's just a little flicker of a of flame into these two great foes. You know, their, their flame, their power is almost extinguished. And, but still Syria seeks to terrify. Or we could also translate it there, verse 6, to terrorize. You know, God's people. With their scheme, again, to set up their own son. Verse 6, to set up the son of Tabiel as king in the midst. So they're going to take Ahaz out of the picture, set up this usurper, you know, in the place of Ahaz, who is in the line and lineage of David. You know, these fearful problems. And there's one more problem. Problem of politics, problem of fear, but there's a problem of feeble faith. Uh, Verses 7 through 9, we're just hitting the the highlights here. You know, the Lord God speaks words that bring conviction and comfort to Judah. You know, he starts off, verse 7, it shall not stand. Their scheme to overthrow shall not stand. It shall not come to pass. The Lord graciously gives a future hope to Ahaz that Ephraim, the northern kingdom, will be shattered within 65 years. The Lord has a time frame set for that. But he closes there with some strong words. The Lord calls Ahaz and Judah, all of God's people, If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Here in these fearful times, uh, the Lord is asking this very uh, direct, divine question of his people. Will you stand firm in your faith in these fearful times? Or will you run? Will you just stick your head in the sand or, or try to bring about victory through your own human means. You know, this plague of fear. You know, and, and you know, here we can see that this passage of Scripture is relevant for us today. Well, all of Scripture is relevant. You know, plague of fear that increasingly infects our world today. Even churches you know, even our own hearts, you know, fear of more COVID variants, you know, when's it going to stop? Fear of devastating climate change, or at least, uh, I won't go there, Uh, fear of inflation, you know, worldly fears, you know, can threaten the faith even of unsuspecting believers. You know, we wake up in fear. You know, turn on the news, watch, you know, look at our blogs, you know, and and that fear grips us from the get-go. You know, and then there's other fears. You know, fear of loneliness. Fear of prodigal children. Fear of death. Just to name a few. You know, and in light of this, not, not only hear God's truth here in Isaiah 7, but You know, here again, the first words from our first hymn. 
Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. And then you can underline this in your mind. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. You know, in these fearful times, we need Jesus more than ever. You know, and our gracious God speaks words of faith to us in fearful times. So we begin with those fearful problems, but there's another problem still. There's the foolish pride of Ahaz, beginning there in verses 10 through 13. The foolish pride of Ahaz. The Lord shows his faithfulness to Ahaz. The Lord spoke again. The Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ahaz, maybe you weren't listening the first time. Lord Ahaz, let me repeat this gospel reassurance to you again. And he commands him. That verse eleven, ask that you know that's a command from the Lord Himself to this his servant. Ahaz, I want you to ask, or I command you to ask for a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. I mean, God is saying there's no limits uh, on this sign. E.J. Young helps us here. Well, back up a little bit. You know, really the Lord is calling Ahaz to obedience. You know, it's a call to walk by faith. Which way will it be, Ahaz? E.J. Young, the great uh, Old Testament Scholar on Isaiah writes, The all-merciful one approaches the rebellious one. You know, this sign is for Ahaz's benefit and a blessing to Judah. You know, the, the Lord is graciously seeking to grow Ahaz's faith, even in these fearful times. That's true of Ahaz, but that's true of you and me as well. You know, the Lord is not seeking to crush our faith. The Lord is graciously seeking to to deepen our our faith and trust in him in fearful times. But what does Ahaz do? Verse 12, but Ahaz said, now we can see his foolish pride, he sinfully resists the Lord's gracious offer of a sign. A a real token of the the Lord's presence. Again, quoting Dr. Young, he writes, Ahaz's refusal indicates a complete lack of trust in the power of God and in the faithfulness of God to stand by his prophet. You know, Ahaz has a misunderstanding of Scripture. He thinks that if he were to ask God for a sign that he would be tempting him. But God has given this command to Ahaz. And Ahaz in pride refuses. Believe it's a feigned piety. A foolish pride. Don't need you, Lord. I'll call you when I'm really in a pinch. 
ever been there? And Isaiah has a confrontation of faith. Isaiah the prophet, God's prophet, speaks to King Ahaz, verse 13. And he said, hear then, O house of David. You know, that, that's an important phrase. Isaiah is reminding Ahaz, you know, you're in the line and lineage of David. Remember God's covenant promise to David that there would always be one sitting upon the throne, and that's fulfilled in Christ. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? You know, what, what, uh, what hard words to hear. Would ask myself the question, you know, have I ever made God weary with my lack of faith, not, not trusting him in fearful times? You know, but here as we look at Isaiah's prophecy, his direct proclamation to Ahaz, we could call this his compassionate confrontation of a calloused Christian. He's speaking the truth in love to Ahaz. God hasn't given up on him. You know, take a moment now and ponder the foolish pride of Ahaz, son of Jotham. And as well, it tells us, you know, the son of Uzziah. You know, read Isaiah 6 again. Uzziah was one of the greatest kings in Judah. Isaiah now confronts Ahaz. You know, and, and do we weary God with our disobedience of his loving commands? You know, our failure to walk by faith in, with Christ. You know, hear this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 and 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. You know, might that be said of us? We walk by faith. Fearful times, great opposition, political, military crisis, crisis from without, crisis from within. But here's the hope. You know, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it's vital for us to understand uh, this prophecy in, in light of Isaiah, in light of Isaiah chapter 7. Here we have a faithful prophecy of Christ. We began with the fearful problems of Judah. There was a crisis of faith. And then we saw the foolish pride of Ahaz, a confrontation of faith. And now we have the faithful prophecy of Christ. Now there's a comfort of faith for Ahaz, for Judah, for us, even today. Isaiah 7.14 has been called a predictive prophecy. Uh, That's the term Derek Thomas uses in his uh, sermon series on Isaiah. But he gives us this sentence. 
A predictive prophecy is the ability to pinpoint with infallible accuracy an event that will occur long after the prophet has died. Now, so here we have this predictive prophecy that, that our, our Lord God will indeed send his son, one who will be truly God, truly man, the one who is indeed God with us. So Isaiah 7.14 is a faithful prophecy about God's gospel promise. You know, and four scriptural truths here about this, in this faithful prophecy of Christ. You know, here again, Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, the first thing that this prophecy teaches us is that it's given by a sovereign God. You know, look closely there at verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself. You know, it's not capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the faithful covenant-keeping God, Yahweh, Jehovah. It's what could be translated... Adonai, the God who is our master, our leader. That same word is used in Psalm 110, verse 1, that Psalm Jesus loved to quote, Psalm 110, 1. The Lord, all capital letters, says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So even there, it's, it's pointing us to Christ, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You know, that, that word sign is a significant word. It, it's a merciful reminder of God's faithfulness. You know, think of the rainbow there in Genesis 9, you know, that God sent as a Gracious reminder that he would never bring the judgment of flooding upon the earth again. Joshua chapter 4 verse 6, the stones of remembrance were meant to be a sign. You know, moving ahead to the New Testament, Luke chapter 2 verse 12, we read these frequently in uh, the days, weeks leading up to uh, Christmas, Luke 2, verse 12, the angel speaking to the shepherds. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. We even think of the bread we eat at communion, the wine, the grape juice, as, as signs, tokens. Uh, of God's gracious love for us in Christ. So it's here we see God's sovereignty. But you know, look again at Isaiah seven fourteen. We we see that that God works supernaturally, even miraculously. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. Now, that's been a gospel doctrine under attack uh, for, for uh, 
many decades, even centuries. Oh, surely you can't believe that as Christians. Yes, yes, we do. Why is that? That's what the Bible teaches. The Hebrew term for virgin, Alma, means a woman who is unmarried yet of marriageable age. It was the best biblical word in the Old Testament for virgin. And it's confirmed in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. We'll be looking at this next Lord's Day. Matthew 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin, Parthenos, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So the New Testament makes it crystal clear, you know, that this is a virgin, you know, the virgin birth of Christ. Why is the virgin birth of Christ such a vital gospel truth in our Christian faith? It speaks of Jesus' full humanity and divinity. It speaks of his sinlessness. He was born without sin. He perfectly obeyed God's law in our stead. He fully paid our sin debt. He fully satisfied God's holy justice there on the cross of Calvary. So we see the sovereignty of God, this supernatural act of God. But it tells us, it teaches us about our Savior. Two truths about our Savior. One, that he was truly man. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You know, Jesus was truly God, truly man. Jesus was fully God, fully man. We'll see that in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Then again, that verse we read for offertory, he who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Romans 8, verse 32. Jesus was truly man. You know, Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are. Gives us great strength. Yet he was without sin. You know, Jesus ate. He slept when he was tired. He walked. He showed righteous indignation to the money changers there in the temple. Jesus was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Thomas Aquinas put it this way about Jesus being truly man. Nothing more marvelous can be thought of thought of than this divine work that the true Son of God should become true man. We have a Savior who was truly man, but we have a Savior who was truly God and shall call his name Emmanuel. Literally, with us, God. Or God with us can also be understood God is with us. 
You know, God is with us. You know, as you read through your Bible, it's it's uh, striking, comforting how often that promise is proclaimed. I give you a couple quick examples. The Lord was with Joseph even when he was in prison. In Genesis thirty nine twenty one. The Lord was with Joshua in his battles. You know, the Lord is with us now. And we consider the the words of Christ himself, Matthew twenty eight twenty, just before his ascension. Matthew twenty eight twenty. We know the Great Commission, but then verse 20, actually the last verse of Matthew's gospel, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, if you have your Bibles with you, underline that. Put a little asterisk by that. Lo, I am with you always. You know, what a comfort, what a hope, what a strength. Now, that's a, that's a temptation of Satan. No, nope, God's forgotten about you. God doesn't hear your prayers. You know, give up. Curse the day you were born, as he did to Job. No, Jesus promises us, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, one of the glorious Advent hymns that we sing and we sang it this morning. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And some people say, well, that's just an Advent hymn, Old Testament, you know, pointing us ahead to Christ. It's a hymn we could sing every uh, Lord's Day. It's a Latin hymn, actually from the 12th century. This hymn speaks of Israel's deep longing for the coming of their promised Messiah, It expresses their faith in God's prophecies. You know, let me read the third verse for us this morning. The words are in your worship bulletin. I committed myself to trying to put more of our Christmas Advent hymns in our bulletin so you can read, meditate upon them at home. And yes, let me encourage you to sing them, you know, as families, couples, even by yourself. You know, it starts with a plea of faith. O come thou rod of Jesse. Old Testament title for Christ from Isaiah 11. You know, but then here, you know, that the rest of that third verse. So come thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save. You know, that's what Christ has done for us. Saved us from the depths of hell and given us assurance and given and give them victory or the grave. You know, we have that in Christ. Christ who was truly man, truly God, who truly died for our sins on the cross, truly rose again from the grave, ascended into glory, is coming again for his church. And so what's the response of faith? Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Emmanuel shall come to us. 
those who are trusting in Christ. You know, brothers and sisters, on this Lord's day and every day, let us rejoice that Emmanuel has come. Let us rejoice that we will always be with the Lord. Let us rejoice in God's gracious promise and prophecy of a Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Savior of sinners. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are indeed a God who is with us. And forgive us when we forget your gracious, glorious, sweet, loving presence with us. And Lord, we pray that the assurance of your presence with us, your saving love, Lord, would lead us not only to worship, but pray that we would bear witness to the saving love of God in Christ. We ask this all to your glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.